On this week's episode, Lee Griffin flies an airplane. So on the flight home today, so I so this morning I flew from Naples, Florida to Cleveland, Ohio. Scott Boris discusses the dumb things that he's done during his life. I I, I can't remember if it was with you or with Dawn or somebody. We did some ADF approaches. It wasn't me. It was Dawn. Okay, and I was like, "This is this is dumb." And I make up new words. Never flown in that type of never flown that type of aircraft. That you know, floating. I'm kind floating. of. I like I like floating better. Floating. I'm editing yeah. all that out, so it makes it sound like I'm smart. Welcome to the Far Aim Podcast. This week we are covering the old friend, the VOR. Um, it's a long, long-awaited episode by many, many, many out there in the aviation community I know has been waiting for us to cover such a topic. Mr. Griffin, I believe, had an email that inspired us to do the VOR today. Yeah, everybody's excited about VORs. Um, everybody thinks they're like dead yeah, and they're, dying you they're know, dead. because of GPS. Yeah, well, nobody cares your about opinion. things. <laughs> that's your opinion. That's what we've talked about before. I mean, I used to like it, but then it's like, what's the point? Why? Well, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I use them every day. You know, I think I used three of them on the flight today, but um, whatever. But so we've we've talked about it in previous episodes. Got an email here uh, a few weeks back, and uh, this is from Eric, and he's just uh, basically made mention. He just uh, wanted uh, to know how... Um, we, I use, you know, VORs specifically in more of the, um, transport category, uh, jet, uh, you know, realm. Um, it, I kind of made mention, um, how we use them often and I just did again and that's the truth. And so now I've done a little bit of show prep and literal show prep this time and picked a few VORs. You know, we have a pretty good listenership up in, um, is that the right word? I don't even know. I just totally made that up. It's good. It's good. I like okay, it. Okay, let's roll with yeah, it. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know. Maybe I don't it's know not a word. Real. What do you think, though? What would you? I, I think I'm going to go with listenership. So I like whatever. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Rob. So um, up in uh, Alaska. So I just picked something near um, Anchorage. A couple of VORs set there just to kind of get get the uh, get everybody's um, uh, everybody's uh, you know mental processes going. Um, so I. Decided to pick uh, Anchorage in that VOR. So airports have a four-letter identifier um, in the – well, they all have four-letter identifiers. And uh, Anchorage is uh, P-A-N-C, so Papa Alpha November Charlie. But their VOR, so the first point with VORs is uh, – this may be background for a lot of people. Just bear with me here. VORs, even though they're co-located, meaning they're in the same place or have the same name as the airport, doesn't mean that the identifier is going to be the same. So it kind of a lot in the lower 48, you'll have a, uh, you know, like kind of my old home airport with the airport identifier was K. So Kilo Sierra Kilo Yankee. The VOR that was on the field was also Sierra Kilo Yankee, just omitted the K because it wasn't an airport. It was a Navi to VOR. Now that doesn't always mean that it's going to be that way. That that's common that they are the same, but that doesn't always mean. So the one I picked here was Anchorage, like I said. And so it's airport identifier, like I said, is P Papa Alpha November Charlie P A N C. But the VOR is actually T E D Tango Echo Delta. 
Um, and I'm actually trying to pull it up here so I don't make an at or uh, make a fool out of myself. But the actual airport of Anchorage is, I want to say, Ted Stevens Field. I got to look it up here. I'm trying to zoom in here real quick while I'm while I'm doing it because I wasn't quite that prepared. Um, so they're not always the same as the bottom line. So the uh, and I still can't do it because there's a segment over top of the airport, so I can't click on it. Um. God, just edit. giving you the shaft during this. Well, I'm trying. Yeah, Stevens. Yeah, bro- Stevens Anchorage International. So yeah, so Ted, Ted Stevens. So I was right the first time and just took us on a little ride for no apparent reason. So this, in this case, TED Tango Echo Delta is the airport identifier. This is kind of almost built to be a follow along. So maybe get there, rewind, do what you need to do. So if you well, zoom in, well, you look at. Go Pause. Ahead. Where where would the layman person go to see oh, this if they're not familiar? Uh, so I have pulled up here Sky Vector, uh, just spell it out dot com, and so I just you know just kind of cursor over, find you know Alaska, find Anchorage. Um, you can start by you know typing in. There's a little uh, up in the upper left. Uh, there is like a little box. You can just put in Papa Alpha November Charlie. That would take you to Anchorage. Um, and so you'll see, it, but it's a sectional type view, a sectional chart view, which is our visual flight rules basic chart view. Gives you a lot of uh, description and, and uh, the topography and a lot of landmarks and stuff as if you're flying visually. That's kind of what we're more geared towards. So you'll find that. And so, um, and then all the stuff I just said a little bit ago. Um so one of the first things I, w- I want to talk about is there's some symbology with VORs if you're looking at a VFR chart like this. And there's a difference between VOR and a Vortac, and there's symbology there. I won't get into that necessarily. I couldn't even describe it to you adequately, you know, verbally anyways. But notice if you have an airport where there's a VOR on the field, and then you go – so you have your airport symbol where the airport is – and if there's a dot in there, so that meaning the VOR is on the field, it means they can't show you what the symbol is because it's on the field. It would basically block out the whole airport, the whole airport symbol on the chart altogether. So what you'll notice is when you find the information block for that VOR, that is where it will tell you what type of navigate it actually is. Is it a Vortac? Is it a VOR? If it's on the field, you, they can't show you the symbol. So that they'll show you that information, like um, you know, uh, what do I want to say? Textually in the VOR information block. If it is off the field, out in a you know free floating out in a field somewhere, um, they can show you the symbol, and then you can look at it and be like, oh, that's a Vortac, that's a VOR, whatever. Um, maybe that's irre- completely What's irrelevant it? to most people. Go ahead, go Scott. Never mind. Never mind. Okay, so I'm looking at the Ted Stevens VR here. Um, again, it's not the same identifier as the airport, so that's common in the lower 48 for them to be the same. Not always the case. So, uh, and and with VORs, and this is kind of tying into how we use them. We have low altitude wise, we have what's called Victor Airways, and that is what allows us. Or, so it's basically a highway in the sky, as everybody has probably heard that you know whatever cliche term. Um, this Victor 436. So it's a V 436. You can find that on the chart. And that kind of goes, you know, northwest, you know, north, northwest, um, about a 320 heading off of the Anchorage VOR. 
And that comes up to what's called an intersection. And this is where it kind of becomes pertinent as to a one way that most people use them without really knowing they're using them. They're not using a VOR. They're using latitude, longitude lines. But it's always still a subset. Boil it down. It's still a subset of using VORs. So if we follow this ra- this uh, radial off of uh, Anchorage VOR, um, you're going to out to the you know north northwest. You're going to get to an intersection. I'm just looking at the sectional chart. I'm not getting really high tech with anything. I'm just looking at the sectional chart. And you come to an intersection of the Anchorage VOR and the Big Lake VOR. And that is called, so we will assign a, an identifier to that intersection where these two things meet. It's like an intersection between, you know, Main Street and First Street is, is you know, kind of a good analogy maybe. And this that we'll, we'll name them, though. We will name them specifically. In this case, you'll see if you look at the sectional, it's called Tagger, Tango Alpha, Golf, Echo, Romeo. And so this is an interesting one, and I just completely found this um, pure happenstance that I found this at all. But you'll see that the Victor Airway doesn't go straight after that. It makes a dogleg back to the northeast, north-northeast. So it goes from north-northwest, hits this intersection, and then the Victor Airway, instead of following straight or kind of still northwest or still north and west or still west, whatever, it actually goes back the other direction, ends up going back to the east a little bit. Um, Victor 436. It goes up to Talkeetna um, VOR. Um, and that's, that is, you know, maybe to you guys up in Alaska, you know, probably around, you know, the Kenai Peninsula, everything down there, you know, in, in south, uh, southeastern Alaska. You guys are probably very familiar with these airports, these VORs. Um, there's probably a lot of information that I'm omitting maybe for your purposes. Um, but that is up there. It's probably one of the more um, I have you. I'm not even looking at your guys' screen. So if you guys are making motions at me, I apologize. Um, I'm looking at Sky Vector, not you guys. I I tried to bring up Sky Vector, and my 10 year old MacBook Pro is incapable of running both the recording software and pulling up the maps. So, well, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't screw things up. I'm along for the ride. Well, I apologize. I wish it was more polished than that. Um, but that I mean, in in it is still the backbone. I don't. I guess I went into a lesson about VORs, which maybe I didn't need to do. VORs are still the backbone of the national airspace system. Um, they have what's called a service volume. Different ones have different service volumes. Um, low low altitude service volumes are good for a forty mile radius, which is not bad. Um, but you'd have to string a lot of them together. If you go take a sectional, like let's say you had a, a paper sectional chart, and you just completely unfold it, and I hope any you know private pilot or close to being a private pilot a student pilot has one that they could do this with open it all the way on one side hang it up you know obviously north up so it's you know makes sense to you put it on the floor put it on the wall whatever you need to do or whatever you already have done if you take like go to the far one side left or right side find your let's call it the northmost or southmost VOR and then just take your finger like so, let's start left to right, just like the way we write, uh, you know, write something down. Go to the northmost or southmost uh, corner on the left. Then just take your finger straight across at a ninety degree, and what do you know? You're going to find another VOR. And then you know, just keep going east. Well, I, well, I guess it would be east, but yeah, keep going, keep going to the right, 
We're going left to right. Keep going. You're going to find another VR. It's going to be very close to where your finger goes if you just keep going straight. It's built like roads. It's built like basically at 90 degree angles. So you can navigate like that. So I'd just use that. A, I'd probably just use a GPS. We'll do that, but I'm that's 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 the point I'm trying to make is it is still the national airspace system. You never know when they're gonna shut that GPS down. North Korea is building bigger missiles all the time. This is um yeah, this is a good point too. Even if you're running for flight and the digital stuff, I would say any level pilot, I say most experienced pilots probably already have this. Even if one's expired, they still have one lying around. But if you're new and you're using the for flight, which Scott and I love, still have some paper stuff for your yeah. Area. I mean, just in case, just, just a just in case is a backup, but B too, like when you're just. Having that giant sectional all unfolded on the floor and being able to go through it for flight, you cannot do that on your iPad on four flight. There's just something different about that gigantic piece of paper with the ink on it for just looking around and exploring that just you cannot get from four flight on an iPad or a phone. 100%. Personally, when I'm flying, you don't fly anywhere, Scott. You don't fly anywhere. The you only navigation. You don't fly. You don't fly anywhere. Hey, you go Lee, to Kelly's Island. Lee, Lee calm miles down. Away. Lee, calm down. <laughs> you go. You fly twelve Wait, miles at a stretch. Drink another one, Lee. Drink another <laughs> one. Lee. I'm out. I'm out. There's none in reach. Okay. Well, personally, <laughs> when I'm flying, anywhere. the navigation fly method. Far. The only navigation method that I really like to use is ADF. Oh my god! You don't is even have what? ADF in your plane. <laughs> you don't. <laughs> nope. No, I nope. don't, but that's that's what I prefer. ADF. Oh. We should we should do an ADF episode now. Scott, you just you just opened up a whole nother half the people listening are probably like, what's an ADF? <laughs> As they should. I, now that I d I'm not on board with that. That is ancient technology. They invented no, the VRs for I actually I actually never learned how to use one because when I was Shown how to use one a few times, I was like, "This is stupid." Like, they're different. I, to only, use. I only flew an airplane that had an ADF in it a handful of times, and I was shown how to use it, and I was like, "Why?" why? I have only why? ever. I forget what the app is. I have a an app on my phone that I downloaded just play, to play around with VORs. Um, it was actually decent. If I I don't remember the name. It's not my phone anymore. I'd mention it, but it had an ADF on there as well, and I was playing with it. That's the only experience I've yeah. ever had with an ADF. I've I never been it, in an airplane that had one. I forget which airplane is at Odysseyski had one, but I remember I I can't remember a few. But of I them had them. Yeah, I, I I can't remember if it was with you or with Dawn or somebody. We did some ADF it, approaches. It wasn't me. It was Dawn. Okay, and I was like, "This is this is dumb." Like, I get Don's it. Don's having you do ADF approaches. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, because it was in the airplane. You have to learn if you're going to take a check ride in the airplane. You have to know how to use the oh, instruments that okay. are in the airplane. If it wasn't in there, like I was like, "Why can't we just take this out for my check ride?" Like, hundred percent. Mark just hates broke in up in up sticker over it. Right, yeah. I remember saying that. Like, can't we just? Take this out or put it, you know, piece of tape over or something. You know? Yeah. She um, and she and Buffington are probably the only ones who wouldn't have yeah. been on board with that. 
everyone yeah. else would have been like, yeah, let's yeah, in up. Yep. I agree with that. ADF, I mean, ADFs are so, I mean, they're just, they're so archaic. Yeah. The VORs have, I mean, a very real, I mean, even in the airlines, you'd have like the FMS, so flight management system. Basically, you program in lat longs for all your points. And that's, you know, that's what we use for the most part. And, you know, even what I'm flying now, that's what you're doing. Um, You know, the airlines, you'd have those would be MEL'd. So you have what's called a minimum equipment list. And meaning anything on there, you can basically go fly without legally. It, you know, as long as you do the proper, you know, um, proper procedure to label it inoperative and all these things, it gets repaired within so many days, all kinds of stuff. So as long as you operate within accordance in accordance with the minimum equipment list, you can say, Hey, Hey, we don't need this, you know, FMS, even though that's like what you use a hundred percent of the time. Otherwise. So if it was broke, we would go fly a commercial airliner around going VOR to VOR. Like that is a whole nother subject. Uh, I guess now is probably the time to do it. So you have short range and long range, you know, is what you're talking about in, uh, in transport category airplanes with an FMS long range of course is not really dependent on ground-based stuff it's more latitude longitude lines that point in space latitude longitude wise and you they could tell you to go direct to a VOR in you know from your just took off New York and they could tell you go direct to a VOR in California obviously you wouldn't get that signal from a VOR but you know the latitude longitude lines of it you can navigate directly to it in that case. So that would be using, you know, long range navigation. What I was just referring to in the airlines, you would, I was talking about the FMS is out. So you're not going to latitude longitude lines. You're going to, it's, you know, it's using its VHF signal. I just assume that to by now, to like what you fly in airlines, they're just all GPS. No. No. Why not? They're all FMS, which is flight management systems, right? Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, there's there's GPS data there um helping to you know um maintain the integrity of of the course or whatever if you will. Um but yeah, I mean the the primary is is, is the uh the, the FMS knowing the that's like a, knowing that's where like a, you are. What's that? Yeah. And yeah, the FMS uses what like a combination of of everything or what? So, like in the CRJs, you know, it would have so it would go through your standby nav frequency. It would cycle through those. So, like it was always searching for another VOR to auto tune, and so what it was constantly doing is triangulating your position. To, to validate the integrity of, of your position, basically. So you have two nav, you know, two nav comms, like two two radios, you know, uh, an active comm and a uh, standby comm and an active nav and a standby nav. So you have two of those. And each of those standby navs were constantly cycling through different nav frequencies as you would go along through the course of a flight, depending like probably like signal strength. And it was constantly like validating your your position, and like 
ver- verifying, validating, and maintaining the integrity of your actual position, knowing where it is in space, which is pretty nuts. Um, and then, of course, the GPS is always kind of, is always working in the background, and that's more of the function that we have now. We do not have the auto tune function; we have the more of the GPS function. So it knows where you are when you start GPS and latitude longitude lines uh, from there from there on for long for long range navigation. If that makes any sense to you, yeah. So on the flight home today, so I so this morning I flew from Naples, Florida to Cleveland, Ohio. So we hit um, uh, Spartanburg VOR. Okay, so maybe only two VORs. I, I I would have to look at the flight plan again, and they changed it anyways. But um, Spartanburg VOR and Charleston, West Virginia VORs for sure. There may be one more. There's supposed to be more, but they changed the flight plan. So maybe just those two. So yeah, we were not short range. We were not using short range navigation. So we we're not really navigating to them, you know, like what we would call green needles because it's all color coded. We were not navigating short range or green needles to those, those VORs. We were using long range or white needles in our case uh, to get there using their, their position in space, their latitude, longitude lines. So stop there. Um, let's go into this green needles business. You've mentioned this on previous episodes and uh-huh. I think I get a gist of it, but I'm not quite sure what yeah. you mean when you're talking about this. So, so everything's like color coded. So, um, there's many things in, in transport category. Um, you know, white, white data means or in, in some cases, magenta. So like, let's say, you know, magenta, we're all familiar with the magenta line. You can have magenta needles or white needles pretty much mean the same thing, meaning you are using the same source data. So you have, so in, in transport category airplanes, airliners, uh, you have two pilots, right? And they're both equally important. So if there is somebody who's using different data than the other, they want to have a way of signaling that cross side. So everybody's on the same page. It's paramount to be on the same page as the other pilot that you're flying with. So they want to have like little cues, visual cues that would like oh, oh, alert you to the fact that you guys are seeing different information or you're using different information, whatever the case may be. Sometimes it's a nuisance. Sometimes it's, Oh wow. Why, why, why is this happening? So, um, they, they use color coding, like I said. So if it's white data or magenta data, that means you're using the same, typically the same data. If you're yellow data, that means you're using different sources. So that means like, um, you know, if you have two FMSs, which is common in airliners, uh, you have two different FMSs to functioning independently, somewhat independently of each other. Um, just to make it, you know, easy for each pilot to input different data or to see different amount of data at the same time. Um, there's they're synced together, but they're not mirrored. If that makes any sense, they're synced, but they're not mirrored. Um, so you can have two different pages up on two different FMSs, even though the data, if you were to go back to the same page as the other one, it would be mirrored in that case. So you can have a lot of information at your disposal, you know, on on two different pages across two different units. Uh, anyways, you could be like, let's say, let's say those those FMSs are functioning independently of each other, which happens. That's, that's something you have to troubleshoot and get them back synced. You don't want them operating independently. That would show you yellow needles as using two different 
uh, navigation sources, yellow. So yellow is typically bad or that's not normal. And then green meaning short range. So that is going to be, you know, you're doing, you're using a VOR, you're shooting an ILS uh, instrument landing system. So you're doing a VOR approach or you're doing, you know, in route navigating using a VOR, um, like a frequency, the VOR frequency that's short range. It's yeah, it's all relative, you know, because at those altitudes, you're talking about 130 mile range between VORs. So you can have two VORs at that. If it's a high service volume, um, a VOR um, between. Oh, man, this is going to kill me that I don't even remember it. But um, in those basically in in those altitude ranges, though, you have between 100 and 130 miles from that VOR, you can get that signal reliably. So you can have two VORs if they're both high altitude service volumes, you can have two VORs 260 nautical miles apart and always have reception, which is kind of mind boggling for like a small airplane, but for, you know, an airline or something like that. I mean, that's that, that would hardly even work for you. But it's like a that, half an hour worth of flying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, if you think about it, yeah, that's 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 about it. So, you know, you, so that would be that would be short range navigation green needles. So when we're shooting an ILS approach or a VOR approach, VOR approaches are rare, but if you're shooting an ILS approach, you're doing that in green needles. That's a ground based short range navigation function. Um, so we have to manipulate several different controls to get it to those green needles because the airplane kind of wants to be in like white needles. That's kind of like your default. That's your in route. That's your takeoff. That's your in route. All that stuff is is uh, is white needle or magenta needles if that's how your airplane displays it. But white or magenta is typical. Yellow meaning you're getting um, cr- um, you're using two different sources of navigation data. And then green is short range data. I hope that answers the question. A little bit, yeah. Um, it's difficult just never being, never floating that type of, never flown that type of aircraft that, you know, Flo- I'm kind floating. of. Floating. I like, I like floating better. Floating? I'm editing yeah. all that out so it makes it sound like I'm smart. Um, and not done a lot of show prep. Um, this episode is is mainly t- to answer Eric's question in that email of kind of how you use it in the bigger stuff, but to break it down for someone who has like never even heard of a VOR, mm. like I think I could probably get this rolling, but it's basically these ground-based navigational aids. It's giant. They look almost like a... Um, like a Mexican sombrero sometimes, yep. depending on what type type of setup it is. It's Alien some, some spacecraft. Uh, maybe not that. Maybe like a Mexican sombrero. Alien spacecraft. So. Alien spacecraft. Um, <laughs> alien spacecraft that hung out in, in Mexico too long. Yes. Um, so this basically is, it's putting out a signal 360 all the way around. And uh, it's all radials. So like you go straight north off of this VOR and that's the 360 degree radial and you go straight east. That's the zero nine zero radial, you know, straight west is the, um, 
two seven zero radio, and then it's every every direction in between. It gives you actually the the compass readout almost. And then there's a device in the plane that you can kind of set, and you can tell what radial you're on um, in relation to this it's VOR. Center of the needle, and it it tells you if you were to it, head directly to the VOR, that's what heading you would need to fly. Yeah. Going going into the plane, um, there's there's the, basically a needle that swing that's hinged on the top. And it swings back and forth, and you got this knob. You turn, you can turn it as much as you want, and um, that's going to basically turn this kind of a compass card-looking thing in the plane. And then that's going to basically, when that needle lines up, it's going to show you. It's there's a little flag thing in it, little box inside there that's going to be two from, and then if it says two. You look at what you're on with the needle centered, and you're that. Um, if you f- were to fly that heading, you'd go straight towards it. And if it says from, um, you'd basically, if you were flying that heading, you'd be going straight away from it. And it basically tells you where in relation you are, um, as far as degree wise, from that VOR. And I'm sure you having more students under your belt than me uh, could probably add a lot more to that with questions you've gotten and and actually teaching this to more people. It's incredibly hard without a dry erase board in a trip out to the hangar yeah, and to go fly and see it done. It's incredibly hard to talk about because you, you interchange the terms without knowing it, but you have, you know, you have your heading indicator, which is like how the airplane is actually flying, like what direction the airplane is flying and how I'm going to get from somewhere to somewhere else. But then you have this other instrument that looks similar, which is what you're describing, like the VOR head or the course deviation in a CDI, course deviation indicator is is what it's called, um, that's telling you how to get somewhere else. So it's it's very abstract to try and describe without tangible, a tangible, you know, example and instruments right in front of you showing you uh, real time. You know, you you just have to do it. And, it. and it is very, very abstract, very hard to teach and explain. And it's not really that easy, even when you have the tools at your disposal. I, I'd say that was as good as you could do the way the way you just did. I mean, without making this five hour episode. Yeah, that's a, that's the that gist really of it. Good. Um, I don't personally know of any, but I'm sure there's YouTube videos from someone. That will probably. This, I'm sure this is a very plethora. Yeah, this is very much a visual um, thing as far as the basics are concerned. Like we can have a conversation from like a higher level verbally pretty easily, and I've, I've followed along, and this has been interesting to me so far. But if you're not familiar with what a VOR, this is be a struggle. Um, yeah. Most of those yeah. people have probably stopped listening by now. But if you if you if stuck not, through they will it, soon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you stuck through it, we we do. Appreciate you um, swinging through this, and um, yeah, yeah sure. just don't feel like you are like not following. A, like if you're not getting this, don't feel bad because this no. is this is one a, a difficult concept to grasp the basics of yes. in general. Yes. Uh, let alone just from hearing about it uh, from an audio format. It is one of the limits. There's great things about audio format, and there's 
limitations on the audio format of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this would be yeah one probably way up there with one of the things that is very hard to explain or get any real knowledge content across from. The takeaway that I want for everybody is it is invaluable to know how to use one well. And I think yes. if an instructor is glossing over it because you have a GPS available to you, they're doing an extreme disservice to you. I hope and they're not doing it. I doubt that they are. Well, if it's in the plane, you have to know how to use it. Right? Yes, the GPS, Scott, yeah. but you don't know how to use anything else but the GPS. No, I know how to use a VOR. I'm saying the VOR, if you have a VOR in your okay. plane, you have to know how to use it. Well, that's true. That's true, but they don't have to I know. use I a mean, VOR. I, I'm old. I, you okay. think I well, used GPS I back in the day? GPS. All right, because I'm lazy now. I don't, I don't care. Like, but back in the day, <laughs> I, like, I think the VOR is easier. In some some cases, it is. If you're going to Mansfield, why am I going to bust out a four flight and type in at KMFD? One away point two. Mansfield. Yeah, I feel like I feel like four flights easier. Still gives you the distance. You can. You don't do you need, need the no map. Distance? Why do you need? I don't okay, know. so that's another so thing. I can so tell, so, I can, so VORs have sometimes what's called DME distance. Yeah, mine does not have that. Mine doesn't have that. Okay, well, I'm talking to everybody else except you. So yeah. you can get that. That is a very. They don't have it either. Scott just brought up. Probably a lot of them do. Um, it can tell you not only how far you are away from the airport or from the VOR rather, but it will tell you how fast you are because it looks at the mileage and how quickly you're covering the mileage and it's going to give you a speed. That's old school like GPS and it's not that old school. We, you have to have DME capability above flight level 240. So above 24,000 feet, you have to have DME. GPS now is a, you know, um, a substitution, but Back in the day, of, and, and the law is still, you know, GPS is a substitution, but it is still, in, in lieu of that, you still have to have DME above flight level, 24,000 feet. So that that is, that is co-located with a VOR. So that is, that is reasonable information. But my question to Scott is, why do you need to know how far away you are from the airport or from that VOR? Well, so you know how long it's going to... So you know how long it's going to take you to get there for one, and okay, you're talking to air traffic matter? control, talking to air traffic control, you're going to want to tell them where you're at. Scott is a very impatient man. Well, why? Why do you have to? Why can't you just look at the chart or four flight? Just look on four flight. Oh, well, exactly. It's just four flight. Forget yeah, but you're VOR. talking about the VOR needing to have the the. Is that what you're talking about? Why use four flight and a VOR? I would just I would just do VOR. If you're go if you have a VOR, but if you don't have panel, DME, you're gonna want to know your distance from the airport. I don't. Why do you need to know I'd your distance it. from the airport? I'd wing it. ATC well, I mean, I, I guess ATC it depends. Doesn't care. Great point, Rob. ATC doesn't care. Well, if it's like Mansfield, but if it's like an airport that I haven't been into, I'm gonna want to know my distance from the airport. You know. But for what reason do you want to know? For that? my own reason. So I know where to look. I know what I'm at. I know how long I'm going to be there. I don't know. I just like knowing the distance. I just feel like that's it's comforting knowing your distance from the airport. That not, that's, that's fine. That's a fine answer, Scott. 
been flying for two decades and you still tell them you're a student pilot though so yeah yeah <laughs> just so, yeah. so they take it easy on you and right. other things got you said you stopped you, you like, i was an airline pilot more. i'd tell them as a student pilot just so they'd scott take it easy stopped on me caring back in forward. 2008 that's how long scott stopped caring about any of this um nah it was more like it was more like 10 okay well, this is that's that's solid effort yeah uh, I had somewhere to go with this. I forgot, though. So if anyone's like got something. No, I would just say, I mean, you're still even... God, I still make mistakes. I mean, so many mistakes. Radio Dude, call that's mistakes. A, that's the difference. I don't make any mistakes. <laughs> ever. <laughs> oh, God. The mistake is putting yourself in a position where you might make mistakes. Right. Yeah, just don't do that. <laughs> you leave the plane in the hangar all the time. You don't make right. any aviation mistakes. Exactly. That's... That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I <laughs> well, b- to- bottom line, I love VORs though. I, I mean, I would hand, I would ha- put one, even though it costs weight, and I care a lot about weight reduction. I have to have one. I would, I would probably have one too. Back to, I'd probably have like a like a glass panel insert thing that like has the VOR function in it instead of like a classic old school giant thing just that would save weight and give you more functionality yeah yeah anyway back to your point of if i'm going to an airport that has a vor on site like mansfield um i would this is a little bit off site isn't it this is not exactly it's close close enough enough. yeah Yeah. so you can dial like i would do that instead of pulling at fort flight because it's just easier to raise your hand up and turn the knob until well, it says to yeah. get exact your exact heading and go instead of going through all the four flight menus. Hundred percent. If if you know how to use a VOR, yes, well, which I what, recommend everybody does know how. Yes, because well, you should know how to use it. But four flight, well, it's not complicated. It's, it it takes like two seconds to hit direct to. KMFD. It can be. It, it can I be promise goofy, you, though. It's, I agree, it's like, Rob. Sometimes it's like I feel like I'm pressing too many buttons to do what I want to do. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which in in most then you're cases, trying to do something too okay, complicated. If I'm trying to fly from Huron to to Mansfield, like just hit direct to KMFD, and that's you have to type it. in KMFD though, dude. Yeah. So I don't have to do any of that. You okay. I promise the, you, you we get in the, the frequency. Air. I can get going direct to Mansfield VOR much quicker than you can get. Well, first of all, going on the fourth flight Mansfield. So if, if I'm going to do it, like I'm going to be in route already. So the amount of time, like it takes me to look at my phone and plug it into fourth flight is not wasting any time. Cause I'm already in route. I'm just saying though, you're Mr. Like minimalist. Let's keep it simple. And I'm saying that is much more simple than fourth flight. Well, Scott, you're flying yeah. down there at 500 feet. So you, Need to be right. looking out for towers yeah. and stuff. First still, of all, no, I'm staying under the radar and I'm not using my radio. And I'm using off, light light signals. Yeah. Transponders off, and I'm using light signals when I get there. We we do have a light signal episode previously. Yeah. I can't remember the number because I'm a me either. But Scott all... doesn't know the light signals. Everyone, no, I do not. No. Spo- spoiler: Scott doesn't even know what they are. So, I know what they are, but I don't know what. If you don't, I don't believe know what to us, do go. I don't know which one. Light signal episode. You know, I know they are, but I don't know which one means what. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> this is 
seems like a decent stopping point. Um, I hope that answers your question, Eric. I apologize. There isn't more. Um, if there's more, email me. Yeah, email. We love, please. We love ideas to make episodes out of because it makes it easy. It does because we don't like we don't have to decide. We just yeah, you're in the driver's stuff. seat, right? Yeah. Um, I am in the Apple Podcast app for another five star written review. We have, if you have not yet given us a five star written review and you happen to use the Apple Podcast app, we do appreciate it. Um, WBOH, I assume that's WB Ohio, but maybe, yeah, not. yeah, that's what I was. I don't know, I don't know. Five stars, interesting introspective and irreverent and this word irreverent it had been a while since i've dealt with this word so I looked it up. irrelevant no it's irreverent it's, it's, oh, okay a lot of spelling that's correct in this all right and i'm not a very good speller so i appreciate this uh, it, it definitely is irreverent and not irrelevant uh, but reverend is one of the one of the better descriptors. Um, when I redo the uh, the description for the show in 2021, I'm probably going to try to incorporate that word in there. Yeah. So, uh, Mr. W or Mr. or Mrs. W B O H, um, that we assume might be Ohio. Um, w B. I don't know. Maybe your initials. Um, Mr. Mrs. B. We we don't like. To, gender we're trying to be gender neutral that's the new thing here yes um anyway uh interesting introspective and irreverent and they actually do read out the far aim this is a great podcast for anyone interested or involved in aviation your three hosts bring three separate and distinctive views of aviation the group can wander around a bit as they discuss their individual application of regulations which is all part of the fun of listening during one of the episodes I found myself talking to the podcast saying the flyways are on the back of the ATC or the TAC, the TAC, end quote, over and over until Lee, Lee Griffin, you come to the rescue. Lee came to the rescue and finally said that the VFR flyways were on the back of the TAC, just terminal area chart, if someone doesn't know. Uh, if you have any interest in general aviation i would add this podcast to your list that I was, was more than add kind, to. Yeah. yes thank you wb space oh um which is possibly from ohio yeah. which is where um you, northern northern ohio lake area islands that's what we're all about that's what's up on the uh, on the show here hometown so yep thank you for the five-star review yes, we like you. We like five-star reviews. We love five-star written reviews. Uh, but email is our preferred method of communication. My email is F-A-R-A-I-M at robertberger.com. B-E-R-G-E-R. The German way, not the sandwich way. Mr. Griffin, who's laughing, is F-A-R-A-I-M at LeeGriffing.com. G-R-I-F-F-I-N-G. And Mr. Boris, who is asleep at the moment. I am still awake. We woke him up early with my intense yelling his name. Um, F-A-R-A-I-M at scottboris.com. B-O-R-E-S. 
And Mr. Boris falling asleep reminds me that I forgot to mention the last two episodes, and I'm, I've been meaning to say this every week. So I do apologize to myself because it doesn't really matter to you guys. Um, live component of the show coming in 2021. It's going to be riveting. You can watch Scott Boris's blurry space shuttle video and watch his head bob up and down as he falls asleep live and intense like you can it's, participate listen, it's late yes. it's late i get up early i don't have time for these it is 10 p.m on a saturday yeah, that's, uh, that's so Mr. Morris is not fully with us anymore um but yeah if you are interested in that robertberger.com uh same spelling as the email uh, ironically uh, it's almost like I have that domain name. Uh, but yeah, uh, there's a live button in the corner on the menu now. There is a backslash live, but just yeah, go to robertberger.com, B-E-R-G-E-R. And then there is a, a sign-up email uh, as of this recording. It'll probably change once we actually are doing it. Right now, it's just an um, email sign-up for, um, for updates on how we are going to move forward with the live component. And we are recording the 2021 episodes in 2020 still so we keep ahead of the the schedule and whatnot and you can be a part of that and what else do i need to to mention oh yes 2020 just when you thought it was weird it's extra weird we do 50 episodes a year uh first 50 thursdays of the year is our recording schedule there are 53 thursdays in 2020 so there will be a there will be a three-week pause. So if you are an avid listener, as many of you are, we do appreciate it. Um, but uh, Episode 51 will be the first Thursday of 2021. There will be a, a three-week break. Um, if you are having a Far Aim podcast withdrawal uh, during that which time... Which is likely. Which is likely. It's most likely to cause during three weeks without us coming into your phone. Um like I said, that live component, we will probably be doing uh, some live recordings for the next year so you can get up ahead of it and watch us live. And hopefully, I don't know exactly what we're doing so far. I believe there should be a way to like comment and like in a little bit while we're doing stuff. I, I don't know. We're not sure how this is going to work exactly, but we're, we're just going to go for it. We're sending it. And um, yeah, so join us for that um, to get through that three-week break. If you uh, are interested in uh, missing the show, if you're not interested in any of that, don't worry about it because the the stream will continue uh, as it has this year. No problemos. Um, That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thanks.
Wish we were smarter. I went on a rant there. That was a drunken it rant. Was, that, that was really something to behold. I got to be honest with you. I f- I'm buzzed up, but I feel like it was okay. That, no, it was fantastic. It was seamless and polished. And Was it? I'd vote for you. Yeah. Maybe I should run for like. We know you're falling asleep, Scott. I can't wait till people can comment on you. Oh, it's gonna be awesome! It's gonna be my favorite part live. It's gonna be my favorite. It's gonna be my favorite part about going live is Scott falling asleep in front of an audience. Yes. I mean, I'm a six pack. I'm I'm a six pack in, but I'm not drunk. I'm just tired. I'm just getting my VORs pulled up. All right. Does anybody want to follow along at all in any way, shape, or form? I'm pissed drunk right now, so okay. Yeah. I'm just focused on yeah, trying whatever. to make it okay. Yeah. All right then. So, 